Celebration Adventist Reflections. Now, to discuss character building ideas, here is your host, Dr. Denzi. Hi family, welcome back to episode 8 of this season on ministering to the list of this. Last week we spoke about Jesus' method and we talked about motive and compelling other people to Christ in our own actions. And this week I feel like it's like part 2 of those ideas expanding onto digging into the character of Christ. So we will reflect on aspects of the characteristics of the kingdom of God. But before we do that, I would like to welcome Catalina again to our Adventist Reflections podcast. How are you this morning? Great. Thanks for having me for week eight. Oh, that's good. But all good things must come to an end. As I realized we're up to number eight, we're like, oh, there's not much long to go. Yeah, it is almost coming to an end. So five more weeks and then our ministry to the list of these, it's over. Uh, I have enjoyed them so far, and I hope that you do too. Mm. So, Catalina, I would like us to reflect on these ideas about the kingdom of God. But let me share with you an experience that I had uh, recently. Last week, I went to run this marathon, the Sunshine Coast Marathon. And in such races, you usually have some kind of people who are on the middle of the street with posters. Uh, on the on, on the side of the road, rather, holding some encouraging ideas. Some people put a funny ideas. Some people make fun of you because you're suffering right there. And this time around, the mm-hmm. real estate agency, Ray White, had a series of quotes along the road after, I don't know, maybe a couple of hundred meters away or maybe less. And one of them read, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. And apparently a man by the mm-hmm. name Fred DeVito wrote this. Anyway, every time I read it, because I passed there like maybe three, four times, I really got encouraged that hopefully Mm. somehow running for 26.2 miles will change me and hopefully for the better. (laughs) And you know what? It did change me because when I was during the race, I thought, what am I doing this? I'm never coming back. But at the end of the thing, when I finished, (laughs) I thought, okay, I'm ready for next month's imprisonment. So today's lesson, though, is both practical as well as challenging. And I'm hoping that it will change us, it will change our listeners. And and today I would like us to instigate our listeners into the idea of what am I doing? And am I getting challenged by what the kingdom of God is all about? Not to get discouraged, but rather mm-hmm. to be able to grow so that we can all grow as a family together. And so I would like to start thinking of mm-hmm. this verse in Matthew 3, 2. And it's a well-known verse where John the Baptist says, to the Pharisees and to the people who were listening about the kingdom of God. So the verse basically says, Let your hearts be turned from sin, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Some version says, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what is this verse speaking about? How can the kingdom of God be at hand? Yet John the Baptist came preach and they kill him. If I put myself in the shoes of the Pharisees, I honestly will be scratching my head thinking, Likewise, where is this kingdom? What is John the Baptist talking about? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Uh, So I'm going to give a disclaimer before we get into this. I think we, this might be the first (laughs) 
the first podcast where we may disagree. It's important. And that's just because of the season of where I'm in in my life right now. Go ahead. Um, you'll probably pick that up later on as we go into more detail um, okay. with Matthew and Romans. But I believe that when we have a look at the ministry of John the Baptist, and this is my own personal interpretation, so please, mm-hmm. you know, this is just how I have seen things. Yeah. Um, I feel that his ministry was to call people into repentance. Right. And... John the Baptist's ministry was to prepare God's people, right. the people that were already believers. He's calling them to repent for the way that they have behaved, maybe the way that they have lived their faith, and maybe for the testimony that they have given. So when we look in the context of this, that particular chapter that you mentioned, when John the Baptist was speaking to the people, as we follow on after that that verse where you said um, the kingdom was at hand, which is, three well, was it Matthew chapter 3? Mm-hmm. When we continue to read that, he then gives a really harsh rebuke to the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. He's like, you guys are like vipers. Mm-hmm. So in the context of that verse, I believe, and this again, my own interpretation, mm-hmm. that John the Baptist was calling the so-called church people, the Christians, the religious people of his time, to repentance because they'd missed the mark. Mm-hmm. They'd missed the mark of what their faith was supposed to be. And as a result, they're saying the kingdom of heaven is right here. You guys are waiting for Abraham. You guys got this idea about everything has to do with Abraham. And he's saying, mm-hmm. actually, the one that Abraham spoke about, he's right in front of you, but you guys refuse to see that. So right. I think that is really the idea of what that verse is touching on. It's saying the kingdom of heaven is already here. It's not coming, you know, in... 2020 or whatever next date people say that Jesus is coming, the kingdom Mm -hmm. of heaven should already be here. Mm -hmm. And as we're going to go into this lesson, each one of us can individually reflect what the principles um, and the values and the love of the kingdom of heaven in our lives today, Mm -hmm. not when Mm -hmm. Jesus comes. Yeah. You know, I was reading the Spirit of Prophecy and it basically, it refers to what you were talking about just now. It refers to the idea that, and we talked about Mm -hmm. this, I believe, in previous episodes, that we can bring God's mercy and justice, and that's his kingdom, right now. We don't have to wait for somebody else to do it. Mm-hmm. We don't have to wait for God to come. Mm-hmm. It can happen now. We can live in a heavenly kind of like environment if we were to demonstrate God's love. So in the book Acts of the Apostles, page 506, it says that the kingdom of God comes not with outward show. Neither will people say, look, here it is. Mm-hmm. Look, it's right there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. That's Jesus saying that. And then Sister White expands onto that saying, The kingdom of God begins in the heart. Look nowhere for manifestations of earthly powers to make its coming. So, yeah, yeah, it can be here with us. It can be here today. Why do you think the people missed it, though? Why why did they miss it out? Why they couldn't see it? Like, right now, it's very easy for us to go look back and criticize and say, like, how could they miss it? Uh, What about us? (laughs) I'll never do that. There's probably a lot of reasons. I think when we have a look at, you know, what the ministry that Jesus then had with his people, with Mm -hmm. the Pharisees and with the Jews, Mm -hmm. he definitely rebuked them and tried to bring about some sort of humility Mm -hmm. in a spiritual sense. Mm -hmm. And I believe the reason why they missed it is because their hearts were so proud. Mm -hmm. They were so confident in themselves and in being the chosen people that they missed the point that they actually needed to be like Christ. I think they missed the point of what it meant 
to be living in the spirit and according to the spirit's leading. Okay. Um, I think they, they missed that point and they didn't have that balance. I suppose what they expected their Messiah to look like and to, to do and the ministry that he had was very different to the ministry that he actually had. He wasn't supposed to be getting getting his hands and getting involved in helping the sick and the ones that mm. were suffering as a result of sin, apparently, right. or the people that were... Yeah, in the depths of sin. That wasn't what their Messiah was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So he was he was supposed to come and overthrow the Romans and not really do things that maybe were perceived as weak. So I guess at mm -hmm. the practical level for us, in terms of the kingdom of God, what are the characteristics of God's kingdom? The, the lesson mentioned two verses, and I'm pretty sure there, I'm confident there are more. But Matthew 5.44 and Romans 12.21. Mm -hmm. It talks about this idea of how God's kingdom is. And maybe this is what you were talking about, whether this uh -huh. agreement will come. I don't know. But let us think about this. Let the battle begin. <laughs> yeah. Let, let us think about this idea. I created a bit of a summary here, and I would like to summarize just those verses. In, in my mind, and this is just at the very straightforward verbatim way of reading the verses. They say, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who despise you. Pray for those who persecute you and overcome evil with good. So are we missing that in our way of perceiving things today? Perhaps we could we could say easily that that's how that's not how the world operates. But as we as Christians, as Adventists, as, as Christians overall, are we missing a little bit of that? What are your thoughts about, at the practical level, the characteristics of God's kingdom being? I think, yes, we are missing it. And, and uh, like, for me personally, um, uh, for those, you know, you would know the, the way my podcast has been going recently. Um, right. It's very hard to, depending on the amount of brokenness and depending on the amount of maybe enemies you have or the okay. amount of persecution, even depending on, you know, how much trauma or depending on what your past looks like and what your brokenness looks like, I think it's very hard to say love your enemy. So I do believe that we have to do a lot of personal self-growth and we do have to do a lot mm -hmm. of searching in our own hearts mm -hmm. as to what loving our enemy would look like. Sure. Um, we have to take each situation very individually and assess it and come to an outcome or come to a decision of how loving that person is going to look like. And for everyone, it may be different. Mm -hmm, But I, mm -hmm. I did really want to emphasize, like, when we have a look at those two passages that you mentioned, which was um, Matthew 5.44 and then Romans 21. Mm -hmm. 12, 21. The really important thing with that is that when we have a look at the context of Matthew uh, 5.44, Mm -hmm. It's giving you this is this is where the, the idea is introduced about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And obviously that is that is referring to Old Testament. Right. So basically it's saying there that we have been taught, and this was previously in Old Testament, we have been taught that, you know, if someone does something, you do the same thing back. It's equal in measure as to how we respond or react to that person. Right. And here Jesus is now saying, but don't do that anymore. Now I'm asking you that if someone punches you or slaps you in the face, give them the other cheek. If someone is trying to rip you off, give them more. If someone <laughs> is asking you to jump higher than you can, then jump twice as much. I believe that in the 
context of what this passage is trying to teach us, it's saying if they betrayed you, don't you betray them. If they are speaking bad things about you, don't you speak bad. Don't feel that the equal balance has to be given to them in the way that they behave towards you, but rather take the more gentle approach, take the more passive approach. And yeah, you know, if if that's the way they want to behave, don't you react in an equal way. That's that's me. But that's where I'm at at the moment and probably I'm not in the in the best place to be discussing that kind of stuff. Um okay. obviously based on what's happened in the last year or so. Okay. But yeah, for me at this point, I'm like let me assess it. I can love my enemy, I can love those that hurt me, but it doesn't look the same as someone who may be doing a different behavior and hurting me in a different way. I can love right. them still. It just look different to how I'm loving someone who has has done a lot of a lot of painful things. Sure, sure. I respect that. So what I'm thinking here, I was, I was uh, like you, you know, reflecting about uh, your own journey. I, I've been reflecting about mine. I, I do believe that we have in different people have different personalities and depending on our personalities, some people can move on quickly. Some people can move on, cannot move on quickly, depending on the damage, the level of experience that we have had. Um, also, uh, mm-hmm. might bring whether we can move on quickly or not, whether we can love those people and bless them and pray for them and overcome them with good instead of evil. Mm. And as I was thinking about that, even though I, most of the time, you know, I kind of slip it off literally, I know that sometimes I have carried resentment, not towards people who are my enemies, but sometimes Mm. even towards family members who I feel that maybe mm. they have done something unfair to me. And even though I reflect about that, it makes no sense in my mind to carry this resentment. But it continues in there at times. Mm-hmm. And so what scared me about that idea is that as we looked into those verses, Jesus concludes, and do this so that you be children of your Father in heaven. And so when I think about myself, mm-hmm. I think like, we argue that Daniel when you carry resentment towards XYZ and you're not really doing good because when I carry resentment I don't feel compelled to do anything loving you know I cannot really open first Corinthians chapter 13 which is what I define my my ideas of practical love and do all mm-hmm. those things towards that person mm-hmm. you know being tolerant forgiving patient uh forbearing it just doesn't come out at all and so I'm thinking when I cannot do that does that mean that we are denying God from calling us his children, despite of the fact mm. that I keep on calling him my father. You know, it brings this idea of shame and guilt in family lines. It scared me a lot in my own personal life. Yeah. So here is the challenge. Popular psychology declares that getting rid of people who do evil to us is the best way to go. Because in doing that, we care for ourselves. And yes. so... The question that I have here, and I have I have struggled with this for a while, for for many years actually. I wonder, is this in contradiction to a scripture? If it is so, then how should we tackle this idea? And if it is not so, then where do they meet? Is there a meeting point? Is there a balance of hey, you know, God says, look after yourself, and this thing, this person is damaging you, versus keeping the love of Christ, keeping whatever he mm-hmm. says to us in the Sermon on the Mount, and then Paul telling us in Romans. So I would like us to think about that. Let me give an example. The example is about somebody, 
it's this is very common somebody who is domestically violated how can a person love the perpetrator like literally how can i love somebody who is making me suffer do you have any thoughts about that That, that principle of psychology where you said, you know, and, and I've seen it, I've actually seen it in families, I've seen it within Christian families, and it, and it has created a lot of pain, like a lot of pain, where mm -hmm. I have seen children walk away from their parents. I won't say that their parents are bad. I okay. mean, I believe that they were godly parents, mm -hmm. and like any parent, they tried to do the best. Was it Maybe the best, maybe not. Uh, for that particular child, maybe it wasn't. But I have seen children walk away and cut their parents off for two years. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking that is so painful. But mm. obviously, they were actually they were actually studying. Uh, um, it was a subject of psychology. And obviously, they got to that particular teaching and principle. And they thought, yeah, this is so applicable. Let me cut my mother off, cut mm -hmm. my father off. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll be totally honest in uh, what I've been going through mm -hmm. in the last year, mm -hmm. I have loved that principle. I'm like, yes, let me cut everyone off. And I have mm -hmm. applied that principle mm -hmm. in in uh, numerous ways. Uh, one, the biggest one being with my dad. Yeah, my dad has a lot of stuff that he needs to work on. But the reason why I cut him off for those six months and when I really sat down and looked at it, I realized it was because I had to work through issues. Okay. There were things I needed to work through. It wasn't my dad's fault that he okay. was toxic, that he was controlling, that we, he was possessive. It wasn't my dad's fault. What had happened is my dad can be very good with certain people and then with me he's just not very good. Mm -hmm. But that's because I let him do that. I enabled him to see me as the child, he still treated me that way. And as a result, mm -hmm. he thought he could overstep many boundaries that as an adult, regardless of whether you're my father or not, you can't do like, mm -hmm. that's just not the way that humans should interact. Mm -hmm. So after the six months, I realized, okay, I have to change, put the boundaries. I have to be more assertive and mm -hmm. I have to make sure that my dad can no longer treat me the way that he's treating me. Mm -hmm. So I think in the principle of this idea of of trying to find that balance between we just cut everyone off that doesn't treat us nice. Uh, we have to also balance that out with what are the things that we can change in our own personality and right. in our own insecurities right. and in our own defects of character so that this this interaction with these particular people won't be toxic. Right. It won't be something that I can handle. So in essence, How do I then learn to love that person and still treat them in a Christ-like manner without it being harmful or mentally traumatic for us? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's where we find the balance is also looking at ourselves and seeing why is this particular interaction with this person the way yeah. that it is? How have we created that? I like what you're saying there. You know, I don't think we have that much divergent ideas that you mentioned that we might disagree. You know, I agree with this. <laughs> this is the crunch. What I'm hearing from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that many a times, if we continue in a situation, we might not only harm ourselves, but we're not going to bring anything beneficial to that relationship either. So we're going to be having a dual harm towards each other. And so, you know, in parenting, we run some parenting courses in part of something that I do in, in my usual daily activities. And we run this thing called Circle of Security. And it's a very different approach in the way we uh, we approach parenting because usually we talk about timeout 
And time out is usually bringing your child into some kind of isolation. But circle of security mm. is based on an attachment uh, idea. And what we know from years mm -hmm. of research is that usually the person who needs time out is the parent. And we need time out to be able to reframe and cool down and to be able to think about how am I going to meet mm. my child's need instead of me just sending them in there as mm -hmm. if they're going to have the capacity to reflect really on what they did. And they're just like two years old or three or four. Yeah. And so sometimes we yeah. need to have time out. Sometimes we need to divert our attention. If I'm being domestically violated, I don't have to be there. The reality is that I might not bring anything beneficial to that relationship. I'm enabling my abuser to continue to abuse me. And it's mm -hmm. going to help. And look, I just mm -hmm. gave that example as a severe example. The reality is that we all have different kinds of hurts. And it doesn't really matter what it is. Mm. If it hurts you, it's going to challenge you. You know, something that hurts you doesn't mm. hurt me. And something that I find offensive, you might find like, well, I don't know why he got offended. And and this is what's the whole idea mm -hmm. of, mm. of in, in my mind, of living a practical challenge in Christianity that helps us to grow is all about. This is what the kingdom of God is all about. And when I think of the Jewish nation, this is what was happening to these people. But Jesus said, you know, you've been going on for so long at the same time, carrying this resentment. You haven't grown out of it. You have been carrying this from generation to generation towards these Samaritan people. And so you have that story of that Samaritan. Mm. We didn't get into it and we won't because, you know, we can be here for forever. But it was about serving those people who we think of the least. So the title of the lesson was about ministering mm -hmm. and serving and, and bringing Christ to the least of this. And here's the crunch of the matter for me in mm -hmm. this lesson. We have been talking about ministering to those who are needy, who are poor, who need clothing. And the list of these, maybe and only maybe, could be also those of whom we think of the least. And those are the people mm. who hurt us, who hate us, those who might have bad intentions towards us, uh, who carry resentment towards us, those for whom we will, wouldn't give our lives towards, those who can be the least. These are those whom God called us to serve, to minister, to bring Christ to. And what I like about the verses is that, you know, sometimes, sometimes you cannot be there physically. You need time out. But God gives various options of how we can actually minister to these people. He says, you know, pray, mm -hmm. pray for them. Mm -hmm. Pray for them. Maybe you cannot yes. be there, but you can pray for them. And yeah. uh, it sounds easy, but even that is challenging because I know when I somebody does something for <laughs> me, the last thing that I want to know is, God, bring them into your kingdom. You know, it's like, yeah. no, you know, change them, show them I've been hurt. They need to realize what they have done. And and I think I need to, in, mm -hmm. my, in my own personal ideology, consider the idea that where the rubber meets the road, if someone hurts me and it's found one day on the street with no food and no clothing, will I feed him? Will I clothe him? Mm. Or would I say, right on? This is what you we're deserve talking it. about. It. You yeah. deserved it. Yeah. See, my God's got my back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think? Does that make sense? It's easier said than done. Yes, it really does make sense. Like you said, like I really like it. Like we need to take time out. And that's what I needed. With the break that I took with my dad and even with the break that I've taken, you know, with what's been happening with the podcast, mm -hmm. um, what I've been sharing on the podcast, mm -hmm. I think that break has 
created a lot of personal growth. Like you said in the marathon, you know, if it does, if that situation hadn't have challenged me 12 months ago, and if my dad hadn't have challenged me with what happened with my dad and my kids, it wouldn't have grown me. It wouldn't have helped me to be where I am today, where maybe I am probably a little bit more balanced. Maybe before I was just too giving. Maybe I was, you know, I did let people walk over me. I was, you know, like a mat. So now I have grown and, and now I have to try and, you know, find myself balanced because I feel that sometimes I'm just on defensive mode because like everyone's trying to take advantage of me. So I'm, I am trying to work on finding that middle ground with that as well. But okay. yeah, I think it's very, very hard when we are hurting to try and take that time out. When a kid wants candy, they just throw themselves on the ground. You know, they have a, they throw a tantrum. As adults, we can often do the same thing. In the emotions or in, you know, the situation, we can be literally throwing a tantrum in our head with thoughts and emotions and all that sort of stuff. And we need to take that time to really think it through and work through the process mm-hmm. of whatever it is that we're going through. But in trying to love the people, I think mm-hmm. the other aspect is, and, and that's what you said about prayer, like sometimes, yeah, the last thing you want to do is is to uphold someone in prayer when they've hurt you so much. But I think when we are striving to be like Christ, we can understand that there is something else going on in their heart. There is something else going on in the reason why they've behaved the way that they behaved. When we can have that type of thinking as God thinks, there's more to the outward. It's it's more about the inward. Then it can help us to understand that, you know what, even though you treated me like that, I understand that you're going through that. Maybe that's the way that you've coped your whole life. Maybe that's just how you responded to situations because you haven't had that time out to be able to process your own Mm. stuff. So prayer is a challenge. And then, like you said about the verse, um, Romans talks about if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them to drink. Mm -hmm. And I think that is for us to be super compassionate and understanding that God gives us things that we don't deserve. Mm, And that's mm. the truth of the matter. You know, the sun and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So for us to be there for people when they are in need, when those people that have broken us, betrayed us, done whatever they have done, for us to be there in their time of need Mm. can actually do a really good witness for us as people Mm. and for the gospel as well. Mm. It doesn't say, oh, hang out with them. The verse doesn't say, call them up. The verse doesn't say give them gifts. It's specifically in that Romans, it's saying they they are hungry. They have a need and we should be willing to give according to that need. And I think that is where I, I find that balance in how do I love my enemy? I'll be there for them when I when I see them that they are in need. Do I have to put myself in a situation to hang out with them, you know, every week or to be with them and give them presents and, you know, be at their birthdays or whatever? No, I don't think that's what the Bible is calling us to do. But it is calling us to have a sincere heart condition where we will still help them even if they're in need. You say something that struck my mind as we conclude in this episode, focusing on what Christ did for us will make a difference in us. As I reflect on on this process of character building my own life and, and, and closeness to Christ, it is without him that will be harder and it will never be easier. The only one really who can change the way we perceive things. If I find him who hurts me injured to the point of almost dying, Will life give him CPR and call an ambulance, or will I bring him into, mm. or will I bring him to hospital, or will I, or will I let him die? I think the answer will be in mm. relation the level of hurt, but also mm. it will be easier if I keep on thinking what Christ did for me 
as well. It will be a lot easier. When he's in need, this is the person who I think of the least. This is the person who has a need. Am I going to be there? Yeah. And, and so I would like to encourage our listeners that whatever you do, uh, whatever you choose, I would like to remind us all today that Christ did not let you and I die. And it is here that I like mm -hmm. also our listeners to reflect on this question for our own growth. How could Christ love those who crucified him? In fact, how could Christ have loved me at all? And when I think about who I am and what I do and how I treat him, I would not love me. And mm. so it won't come natural to us because we, we are not God. But Christ promised that we can live by the same spirit that he lived by. And so let us reflect on that. And let us think about that idea. And I encourage all of our listeners to self-reflect and think about how can I have that? How can I have what Christ has? How can we all have as a family that? And, and I'm sure that God will show us that. Any final remarks, Catalina, that you would like to share? The one point I did want to bring, and you mentioned it up as well, is, you know, how the Jews discriminated against the Samaritans. Yeah. And like you said, there was like a history of we don't talk to those people. There was a history of we don't sit with the tax collectors and we don't sit with the harlots. We have been hurt by certain people. Right. And you can put, you know, a demographic on it. You can put, um, you know, um, particular country, mm -hmm. you know, maybe mm -hmm. you've been offended by a person from a particular country. And we yeah. can be very general and stereotype that every person from that country is that way. Or right. every person that comes from that area or ev any person that, you know, has these sort of character traits it's going to do the same thing to me. I'll give you a really practical example. We've heard, we've worked with a lot of people who suffer from drug addictions. Mm -hmm. I can, and we've been hurt by a lot of people that suffer in drug, with drug addictions. I could say, you know what? I'm never going to help another drug addicted person ever again. I could be very general, just like the Jews. All Samaritans are heathen, and all Samaritans, you know, are, are dirty and filthy and unclean and unholy. Um, so that would be also my encouragement. For us that, you know, if we have been hurt by certain people and maybe they are, you know, from a certain country or nation or race or whatever, or mm. maybe people that have had similar struggles like addiction, maybe some people have had like abandonment issues and we can see that, oh, no, this, other, this new person that I'm making friends with, they've got abandonment issues, they're going to do the same thing. No, mm -hmm. we have to mm -hmm. be really wise and prayerful about asking God to help us to still help people regardless if there is some baggage that comes with mm. helping so, yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd bring that point up. Awesome. I like it. Thank you so much, Catalina. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, okay. our weekly encourager, who, where, what, and why? Do we have yes. somebody? We always have someone. I okay. can guarantee you. Okay. There's always, there is always someone doing um, an awesome work. So, for this week, it is coming from the Central Papuan Conference. Oh. And the lady that we're going to talk about, yeah, so it's Esther Badia. Okay. I probably just butchered her name. Um, but, yeah, the the Adventist record, I think, did an article on her. And okay. she's obviously from Papua New, Guinea, Papua New Guinea. And she decided that there was a need for people to have clean water. And she lived awesome. in an area where they had clean water. Mm -hmm. And she managed to get a team of volunteers who would fill up, I, from what I recall, the article said week, like daily, mm -hmm. they would fill up 15 liter uh, jerry cans of water from her house. So 
she obviously had clean water and they would all walk seven kilometers to another town that didn't have access to water and they would leave these jerry cans uh, for the people to have clean drinking water. Mm -hmm. And she's done that for quite a long time. And through that ministry of just taking the water that she had at home and walking the seven kilometers to this town, um, they've been really blessed. There was an, an elderly gentleman who was just so blessed by her efforts and her desire to help him mm -hmm. and help his community wow. uh, that he donated land so that they could build a church there. Wow. Uh, she has um, they've, they've had young people come, like 15 young people have started attending their Pathfinder Club. They've got 30 people that are in baptismal studies at the moment. And, yeah, it's just has had such a really, yeah, just a massive impact on that community. And it was just from water, you know, wow. water and time. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was really inspiring when I read it. Awesome. I love to hear these stories because they tell us about the various array. We just need to be willing and so something ways. comes up. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you, Catalina. Yeah. yeah. What about, do you have a challenge for us today? I do. Okay. I do. And okay. it might make everyone a little uncomfortable, including myself. Okay. Um, Go ahead. So obviously we are trying to, we're trying to love our enemies, okay. love those that have hurt us and persecuted us or treated us in any way. So the challenge for this week is to love on that person and whatever you feel comfortable in showing that if at worst you cannot be in the presence of that person or you can't actually physically uh, do anything positive, I would invite the listeners to spend, and I'm going to be really strict with this one, okay. I would really like for you to spend five minutes in prayer okay. for that person. Wow. Um, what that prayer looks like, it's totally up to you, but if we can like be super diligent, even putting our timer so that we know when five minutes is up. Yeah. Um, just because, yeah, to say a quick prayer, Lord be with them, I think that that doesn't really challenge us mm. to be able to, um, yeah, dig deeper into trying to love that person. So if we can put our alarm for five minutes yeah. and just patiently pray until that five minutes is up, um, that would be the challenge for today. Excellent. Look, Elena, I might be biased, just like I was biased about your latest episode on the Connected Adventist podcast. So everybody, just a yeah. plug here. Go and listen to Catalina's latest episode. Uh, it's excellent. I mean, it's not that it's the only one that is excellent. This one, I guess, I'm biased. Uh, it was great. And uh, I might be biased here, but I love this challenge because I'm going to do it myself because I know that God will do something in my life about this, about this somebody mm -hmm. or so, about something. So thank you so much. I think it's needed. Let us let us go and speak five minutes to our chief psychologist, and he will listen and he Amen. Will, he will tell us things. I am confident. Yeah. Excellent. Well, once again, thank you, Catalina, and thank you everybody for their time. Pleasure. Uh, thank you for allowing us to come together and discuss and reflect some character building ideas for eternity if you have some ideas if you have some ideas you would like us to reflect on i would like you to drop us a line in our social media accounts you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter as adventist reflections you can find catalina on facebook and instagram as the connected adventist podcast and you can also find our facebook site also that catalina leads very faithfully as adventist committed to serve so check them out enjoy them Drop us a line and let us know what you think. Today, I would like to finish on a serious, perhaps stern note. 
I would like to share a thought, a final thought before I let you go. It is with great sadness and sorrow that I respectfully like to say this. I recalled um, that just a few weeks back we had another mass shooting that made the media front pages mm -hmm. and uh, I don't believe this is the only one. This is the one that they decide to show us around the world. It's in America. And this time around, hatred towards the Latino community seemed to be the motivator. Obviously, that's close to my heart mm -hmm. as a Latino man. But um, mm -hmm. whether they're Latino or non-Latino, it is hatred that is seemingly taking over the world in our communities. And I would like to encourage mm -hmm. whoever listens to this to pray for the victims, whatever they might be, for the family members of those who are suffering, for those who are grieving, for those who are mourning, the loss of beloved sons, daughters, girlfriends, boyfriends, cousins, mothers, uncles, dads, fathers, whoever that might be, a co-worker, it could be just a neighbor. I do grieve with the loss. It, it touched me when I read those news headlines. And I grieve also in the state of affairs that our world is into, that we find ourselves right now. Mm. I would like to propose that this is really the result of living lives that do not reflect Christ, lives that do not accept the principles of Christ. Even though we are in a society in the United States and in Australia, in the Western world, we live in societies that are built under Christian principles. We are not living them. And so I finish with these ideas from the book of the thoughts of the Mounts of Blessings in page 42, which says, Christ tears away the wall of petition and he teaches us to love for all the human mm. family. He really makes no difference between neighbors and strangers, friends and enemies. And this is what Catalina was saying. It doesn't matter what race, where you're coming from. He teaches us mm. to look upon every needy soul as our neighbor and the world as our field. Till next week, I am Dr. Danzi, and today I would like to choose to love God, embracing the challenge, serving those who hurt me somehow, and even those who hate me. How about you? Remember to subscribe to this podcast, like it, share it, Hashtag it, comment, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Tumblr as Adventist Reflections. God bless you.